I mean, it may be obvious already, but clearly we're going to fanboy out on this film a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I will anyway. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> and cue the jingle. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never, the movie didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by one of the usual suspects, Drew, and we're going to be discussing a movie that he's never seen before, Avengers Infinity War from 2018. <laughs> Drew, welcome back. Glad to be here yet again. Pleasure to have you as always. Um, I just want to start off, normally I might ask why you picked this movie to do, but this week I picked the movie, and I want to get into why a little bit just off the bat. I know this is a relatively recent film. It came out this year. And the reason why I wanted to do it was... I just really wanted to see it again. I saw it once in theaters. I enjoyed it a lot and wanted to have an excuse to watch it a second time. And also, this movie was one of the biggest movies ever. It was certainly the biggest movie in the world this year. And you may be the only person left alive who hasn't seen this movie. And especially so I, someone who meets a description of a Marvel Comics Universe fan, right? right? Especially for a fanboy. So I figured... This is an opportunity to get like a huge blockbuster that everybody's seen and get the reaction of the one guy left who hasn't seen it. So that's my thinking on doing this episode. That being said, let's turn to you, Drew. Why the fuck haven't you seen this movie? <laughs> okay, and so uh, for for the audience, this is the typical response that I get uh, in not having seen Infinity Wars. Uh, it was... You know, the reaction of not having seen it while in theaters was like, oh, come on. I mean, every literally every single person I've ever met had seen this movie by the end of the first weekend it was out. Mm -hmm. So what's your deal, dude? Yeah. So, I I mean, I guess and we've exposed this through our, our prep, but uh, there are several films in the lore that I have not caught up on. And mm. so we know this is a culmination of the Iron Man films. The Avengers films, obviously, the Thor films. I mean, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe has been in some way building towards this film. Yes. So uh, even know, the standalone ones like Ant-Man have at least had nods to the broader universe and broader story. So I guess that's part of it is, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like there was some gap like I was missing something to be prepared to 
to jump into this film. I see. Well, for the sake of inform, you know, doing our due diligence here for the audience, what Marvel films have you seen? What haven't you seen? Where are you in terms of your knowledge here? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I have seen the first two Iron Man films. Okay. I've seen the first two Captain America films, though the second one, uh, I'm a little foggy on the recollection. Oof. Yeah. So you haven't seen Civil War? Uh, no, I have not. Ouch. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Uh, nor have I seen the third Iron Man film. For the sake of this movie, I don't think that's as important. Okay. Um, let's see. I've seen the Guardians of the Galaxy films, one and two. Cool. I've seen, let's see, I've seen the first two Thor films. I have not seen Thor Ragnarok. Oh, it's so good, dude. I, I suppose one of my goals coming out of this film is to uh be that much more motivated to catch up on right. these other gap films keep going uh, i'm trying to think of the other tie-ins all right i'll toss a few out have yeah. you seen black panther yes i've seen black panther cool have you seen spider-man homecoming i have not seen spider-man homecoming less cool um have you seen not that it's as important i think for building towards this movie have you seen ant-man i have seen ant-man yeah. I've seen all the ones that don't matter, <laughs> that Drew. Don't matter. Yeah. Okay. Well, all that being said, off air, I did my very best to fill Drew in on the gaps in his knowledge and uh, give him kind of a rundown of at least important plot points that he needs to know. And I helped him get everybody into their starting positions for this movie including i just finished before we started recording giving you the rundown of doctor strange yes so you at least have a familiarity with all the characters and you know where everybody's at yep okay do you know who thanos is yes i know who thanos is at my current level of being up to speed he's a somewhat mysterious character although from our from our prep, I understand that that he was in the Guardians film. He I just appears, don't... he so he's in the tag scene of Avengers. He's revealed yeah. to be the ones kind of behind everything. Yes. And that's his big reveal, and everyone in like Marvel fanboydom went like, Ooh, Thanos. Yes. Uh and then he's actually in Guardians One. He's actually got a few scenes and he's also pulling strings for another character he's he's uh he makes an appearance in the black panther film too if you stick around post credits he's in one of the oh he's he's like hinted at i saw the post credit sequence there are two but i saw the one not the other black panther yeah right on right on okay well what does thanos want so as best as i can tell thanos reminds me of uh and I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little nerdy here and reference my very favorite film of all time, which is the 1985 Transformers the movie. Uh, Whoa! Where hold the, on, hold yeah. on. I knew you liked that movie, but that's your favorite movie of all time. Yes. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, for those who are not familiar with it, the major plot arc here. Uh, is suddenly our Autobots and Decepticons, the good guys and bad guys of the Transformers universe, are all, and all of humanity and all of the universe, is suddenly threatened by a much greater threat, a giant planet-eating Transformer, 
named Unicron. Voiced by Orson Welles. Voiced by Orson Welles. In his last film role. Yes. So there's so much to go into for that film and perhaps- we're not covering that film today. That's not our film of focus for today. Uh, But going back to Thanos. Yeah. Um, my my sense is Thanos is of the Unicron archetype. Okay. So suddenly Thanos, you know, Thanos wants nothing more than, you know, to exert his chaotic and destructive force uh, to dominate the universe with his, you know, uh, he represents war and chaos is, is kind of what I gather from from what's going on here. Okay. Okay. Represents war and chaos interesting all right well we're gonna we're gonna check back on that after the movie is done okay okay so that's your background on the marvel cinematic universe but what's your deal with comics in general like are you a comics fan who do you like yeah i do like comics i would say my love of comics is disproportionately high in favor of spider-man over Mm. anyone else well, it's um, a good choice. I'm surprised you haven't seen Homecoming then, because this is, in my opinion, hands down the best depiction of Spider-Man ever in a live action film. Cool. Like Tom Holland just like nails who that character is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, so you got to watch that movie, dude. Now I will. Uh, th- if you want to know why, I really enjoyed the first couple of Spider-Man films when they were initially, yep, the you know, Tobey Maguire ones. The Tobey Maguire ones. You know, I love Spider-Man. Who I love even more is Venom. Venom oh, yeah. is my favorite character from that. I had the, you know, if you talk about the actual comics I own, 90% of them are Spider-Man comics. And the one, like, thick graphic novel I have is the Venom. Yeah. I mean, it was the, you know, all 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 of the Venom comics in one right. anthology. And I, I was just offended at the casting and portrayal of venom in spider-man 3 and it, it wasn't great it it turned me off from the spider-man films and i also you know when there's a reboot of a film that's already been made in modern times it I, it makes I'm not less a, interested in it yeah it does and so you know it's too we, recent yeah and we saw that happen this is what the third attempt it is, but you know, in this second, you know, second reboot, third installment of the Spider-Man portrayal, what it has going for it is the fact that this is the first time that it's been integrated into the broader Marvel universe. Yes, and that's cool. And then also, it's the first time that the character has been handled by the incredibly competent and thoughtful people over at Marvel, who seem to have a good sense of how to bring their characters to life yeah not that i'm dissing the sam raimi movies those were great Uh, i am kind of dissing the andrew garfield ones a little bit but this you know this is a spider-man made by the people who know spider-man and get him yeah you know that makes a big difference so i am willing to forgive the the kind of like they're rebooting it again and the last one was like a year ago you know I'm, i'm willing to forgive it because they got it right so I recommend you check that out. But you'll see some Spider-Man today, and hopefully you'll enjoy him. Cool. Did you watch uh, any, like, for me, I'm also a big comics fan, but I always felt like my comics love kind of outweighed my experience to a certain degree, because as a kid, I never read a ton of comics going to the store, buying a comic and reading it. Yeah. I do now more as an adult, which is kind of silly, 
but also a little bit more of a product of the fact that I can buy these collected editions where I get an entire arc in one and I don't have to do these like, you know, monthly installments. I can just read the whole story. Like the equivalent of binge watching on Netflix, right. a whole series. Exactly that. And then also as a kid, I got most of my comic stuff from those cartoon adaptations. So yeah. Spider-Man, X-Men, Batman. Yep. That's how I grew up on comics was watching them on TV. Yeah. I And I, I'm the same way. You know, the, the I had lots of Spider-Man comics, but I was into Spider-Man. I was into Batman. I was into X-Men. And this was, I, I, I don't know that I actually ever had any X-Men comics. Uh, mm-hmm. It was all, you know, through the cartoon adaptations and later the films. Right. But yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the characters, but mostly their, their screen adaptations. Yeah. All right, well, let's run through some of these characters just to, like, gauge where you're at with some of them. So, uh, were you, uh, you clearly a fan of Spider-Man? Yep. Fan of Venom. Not in this movie, sorry. Spoiler alert. Uh, Iron Man? Uh, I, I do enjoy Iron Man. I like the concept. Um, not a character whose plotline I ever followed growing up. I knew who he was. I knew, you know, his basic powers and what he did and was always... A fan, right? But not familiar with the story. I mentioned this when I was doing the episode with Brian about Iron Man specifically. I was always familiar with him, but to me, he was always kind of a B-lister. Mm. And I, I found his meteoric rise to the A-list kind of strange, you know, in that now he's everyone's, you know, one of everyone's biggest, favoritest, most awesomest Avengers. And I was always like, Iron Man, really? Yeah. But you know. The movies have shown how awesome he is, so I'm on board now. Right. Captain America? Now, uh, ironically, I was just going to say that I, I always felt that way about Captain America. Mm. Now, he, he's presented as a an A-lister just because... He's Captain America. He's Captain America. What country is this? But, you know, it, it, Captain America, to me, I, I and I still feel this way, I just don't find him to be as interesting a superhero in concept. Right. His powers... You know, the shield, okay, it's cool, but I I just don't find it to be that interesting. Right. That's fair. I mean, I think the movies have uh, done some interesting stuff with his character, especially like, you know, his relationships with other people and his how he's adjusting to the modern world. There's there's some interesting stuff there. Thor. Thor. I never quite. I'm gonna be honest. I never gave Thor. a shit about Thor. Yeah, until the even even during his own movies. I mean, they were fine and charming, but like I never thought he was interesting as a character. Chris Hemsworth as an actor portraying him was great, but Thor didn't matter to me until Thor three when he finally got a good movie. I feel like Thor was always a long tail character in the back in the day, like just kind of a sideshow. Maybe you'd hear about Thor once every now and again. I mean, he has fans. Some people really like him. Yeah. Well, I guess I was out of the loop on Thor. Mm. I thought I thought the films made him really cool, though. I, I enjoyed those quite a lot. And I love how they maybe they were doing this a lot in the comic books. They probably were. But I really like the fact that they tied in all of the mythology and, you know, that it was actually the gods of Asgard. Right. I mean, there's something cool about that. I always did like mythology. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our big three from the Avengers are, you know, kind of Marvel's version of the Trinity over in DC, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. We could cover more 
but there are so many people in this movie we'd be going forever and we also kind of got to do that in part two anyway so yeah let's cut it there what do you expect is going to happen in this movie let's get to your predictions yeah and also has this movie been hyped for you drew uh, certainly. Do you have high expectations? I definitely have high expectations for this film. Um, I'm probably know, the worst offender on hyping this movie for you. You're definitely the worst offender. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of buzz from pretty much uh, everyone who's friends with me on Facebook. You know, lots of comments about how great this movie is. So has anything been spoiled? Not per se, but based on some comments that I've seen... I do predict that Iron Man will die. Okay. Again, this was not stated explicitly in anything I saw, but I uh, saw some comments that made me guess that that might be what happens. Gotcha. Some some cry face emojis. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I would predict that. I mean, other than that, I think predictions that I have are pretty general uh, around the the arc of the storyline lay them on me so you know i i predict that the differences that we that our characters have amongst each other going in particularly uh differences we see between characters like iron man and captain america will effectively fall to the side because of this greater threat that everyone's facing Mm -hmm. um so i I think we're going to see a quick resolution where everyone's going to need to be working together to defend against this new threat i'm gonna predict that there's gonna be a lot of mayhem and destruction well that's in the trailer come on man yeah well uh go out on a limb full disclosure i haven't watched a lot of trailers for this film um there's one in particular that i like a lot okay that's (laughs) neither here nor there but um hit hit me with some more what else you got yeah what else um i uh, might predict the corruption of one of our good characters at least interesting going over to the bad side yeah i predict that we're going to there's going to be a lot of settings outside of earth okay in this film so maybe a lot of um wars happening if i'm correct i believe i recall from the marvel universe comics that the infinity wars take place some somewhere out in the galaxy that are you know as the as the term uh, suggests an infinite war among all of the characters. Well, um, why do you think they're called the Infinity Wars? Uh, I think because they don't stop. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't. I could be completely wrong about that. But. Are you familiar with the term Infinity Stone? Ah, uh, yes, yes, I am. So we have um, these six anomalies uh, in the Marvel Comics universe uh, called the Infinity Stones, each having their own power yeah um, i don't know i don't know their deal as well in the comics i think that it's six in uh or there's a certain number of them in the movies so, okay are yeah. they not uh found in the comics oh they exist in the comics i just think they've been adapted slightly what each one of them does or what color each one is you know that kind of thing like they're yeah. it's the same thing but just like slightly some some of the details might have been yeah. adapted a little bit um it, you know based on uh Based on what we know of what we've seen of these Infinity Stones, they appear in in a lot of these films. They've been popping up. They've been popping up, and I guess a safe prediction, I think, would be that we will see the sixth, the Soul Stone in this 
in this film. It's the last one that has not appeared in other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what do you think they're for? Or what they'll do? You know, I I might I might predict that Thanos has an agenda to collect them all, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, by their powers combined, he's you know really. Uh, unstoppable yeah um <laughs> captain space captain space i don't know yeah any other predictions before we get started i have no predictions let's jump right on in no further predictions all right well no further questions your honor let's uh <laughs> watch avengers infinity war yeah Woo! there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. Defenses and get this man a shield. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. well avengers infinity war so feeling bummed (laughs) wow uh i don't know how i feel yet oh well i just mean it's a sad ending it is it's it's certainly a sad ending i just don't know exactly what it is that's happened to all of these characters at the end it seems that they have disappeared they have well we'll get to that maybe if you have any conflicted or confused feelings we'll work it out as we go through it let's let's figure out what you think of avengers infinity war drew so 
We've just finished watching the movie. I'm going to start us off with a little bit of backgroundy stuff. Not a lot because I think, you know, we kind of know the background. Obviously, this is the culmination of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 18 movies leading up to this one. Uh, it's a lot of movies. It sure is. Um, and they've been at it since Iron Man came out in 2008. Although I think really it was like with Iron Man 2 that they started coming at it. Like Iron Man 1 proved, hey, Marvel's got something that can work here. We can make movies. And then with Iron Man 2 was when they were like, we're going to do this with like something in mind that we're building towards, mm. you know? But anyway, so that's, you know, I think that's enough background on this film. We don't have to go all into the history of Marvel because we did that during the Iron Man episode. And if you haven't heard that, I highly recommend you go back and listen. I will just toss out, though, that this particular story was inspired by the comic book arcs Infinity Gauntlet from 1991 and Infinity from 2013. And all of this research, as usual, is culled from the incredibly rigorous Wikipedia page. Mm. So, uh, let's talk first about the direction of this movie. So, this movie is directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe. I assume you are not particularly familiar with them from their other work? Uh, You assume correctly. Well, that's because their other work outside of the Marvel Universe, there isn't a ton of it, at least not in movies. I looked at their filmography, and the only non-Marvel film that I recognized was a film called You, Me, and Dupree. That sounds really vaguely familiar, but I I don't know what it is. They also directed uh, Captain America 2, Winter Soldier. Okay. And Captain America 3, Civil War. All right. So those are their Marvel bona fides. But really, uh, where they cut their teeth, it would seem, was they did a lot of TV work. So they directed a lot of episodes of Arrested Development. Okay. You're familiar with that, I'm assuming? Yeah. And uh, they directed a lot of episodes of Community. Did you ever watch that show? I did watch some of that show. Yeah. So, you know, both of those are pretty high-end TV shows. Mm. So, you know, they got some stuff going on there. What did you think of the direction of this movie? Uh, it was pretty solid. I mean, it's it's interesting, the sort of repertoire that we just reviewed, because the common thread seems to be just a lot of character plot lines happening simultaneously right being able to manage that and that of course was essential in so this essential movie with the, the the just sheer array of plot lines happening a staggering number of characters a lot to manage it was and yeah that's a good point that i hadn't even really thought of which is that you know in their tv work like arrested and community these are shows where they had to handle very large ensembles so uh good point and it's funny that you thought of that for them, and I hadn't, because when they got uh, Joss Whedon to direct the first Avengers movie, that was my first thought. I was like, oh, Joss Whedon's shows show a lot of strength working with ensembles. Yeah. You know, so he'll be good for this uh, multi-character movie. But you're right, these guys have that too. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And, I mean, it's this movie has so many people in it. And you never really feel like anyone gets shortchanged. Unless you do. I never did. I don't think so. No. No, I think I think we get enough character depth for most characters. I mean I mean everybody at least gets a moment, right? Like a moment to be funny, a moment to be badass. Everyone yeah. who has an emotional arc gets a few emotional beats. Mm-hmm. And 
Not only that, but they essentially have to introduce and develop an entirely new character in yeah. Thanos. Yeah, that's right, they do. Who has a pretty satisfying arc from beginning to end. Right, so Thanos is... I feel like I've heard someone argue this as well, but Thanos would seem to be the main character of this. Film. Yes, uh, I believe I've read that he is the character with the most screen time. Yes. And I don't know if I would go so far as to say he's the protagonist of the film. He's not the protagonist, but the main character, yes, somehow. Right. The villain, he's the antagonist, but he gets the most screen time, and it's his plot line that is focused on for the majority of the, the here's here's the thing why like what is why what is driving him to want the power of all of these stones well they discuss that but we'll come back around to that i think when we discuss him as a character specifically but let's um wrap up just talking about the russo brothers and their directing on this film okay um amazingly well balanced in terms of the characters and very skillfully done packing a lot of story and incident you know this is a long movie but you know it moves like it just it whips you through that plot as quick as it possibly can go without i think feeling like it's dragging and they even manage to find time for these small moments like there's a lot of jokes there's uh, just enough downtime where you're spending some time with the characters and actually hanging out with them, even in the midst of all this incident. I mean, you just got to think of like how much information they have to like get across in the course of that movie without making it boring. Yeah, I mean, they, they do that quite well. The pacing is very fast. It has to be very fast in order to convey as much as they did. Right. But, you know, doesn't necessarily feel rushed. Right. They do really well with that balance. Yeah. Although, of course, they do have the benefit of having had well over a dozen movies laying some of that groundwork for them. So yeah. thank God for that, right? So now we get to the cast, and we'll hit a few in particular, but there's also just no possible way we can touch on everybody. So we'll do a handful, and then if anyone else stood out to you, bring them up. Okay. okay. I'll do the same. Uh, so number one that we have to talk about is Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Yeah. How'd you think he did? Uh, I thought he did pretty well. We see him kind of like, I don't know, he it's almost like from the beginning of the movie, he knows that that he's doomed, like that it's a pretty dire situation. And Contrary to your prediction, though, he does not he die. He doesn't die. Yeah, that... that you think so for a hot second. Though. Right, right. It, yeah. it, it seemed to suggest that this was going to happen and of course yeah we think he's dead at one point but you're you're correct though in saying it feels like there are a lot of red flags for him throughout the course of the movie like he's introduced with pepper Potts talking about how i had a dream that you were pregnant yeah it's like oh that's that's not a good sign by the end of that conversation he's promising that he'll be back and you just don't quite buy the promise and then later she's trying to get in touch with him saying to come back off of the ship Yep, yep. You just, you you get this sinking feeling like something's going to happen. Yeah, you do. But at least so far, he is still alive. Yes. So, and thank God for that, because I love the guy. <laughs> um, He also, he, so you haven't seen 
the Spider-Man movie where he is acting as a mentor and father figure towards Spider-Man. But they do, you know, this comes back to what we said about the effectiveness of the emotional beats that are inserted throughout. You do still get that, I think, between him and Peter. Yeah. If you haven't seen the other movies. Yeah, that's right. I could see how with more backstory of their relationship, you would, you know, feel even more. But you do get it just watching yeah, the few scenes they have that's together. That's right. They have that connection as a mentor, mentee. Right. And so talking about Spider-Man, uh, this is your first real exposure to him. What did you think of Tom, Tom Holland as Spider-Man, your favorite dude? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a young Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, it's like a Spider-Boy pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was cool. I mean, I liked the I liked seeing the suit. That the Iron, Iron Man Spider had. suit. Yeah, yeah, the Iron Spider suit. That Maybe was those pretty legs neat. in the back. Yeah. I mean, I it it definitely makes me want to go and check out the Spider-Man movie because I mean, I I there was of, of course a lot of characters needed to have a lot of time to take up this movie and I feel like Spider-Man was more of a side character. Sure. You know, even though he had some powerful moments well, I mean, in the short time that you saw him, though, I mean, did you get enough of a sense of him that you think he makes for a good Spider-Man? How does he compare to the other Spider-Men that you've seen, like Toby? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say better action and better uh, authenticity than the Toby Maguire Spider-Man. Just the sheer fact of the web cartridges being technology instead of you organic. Know, organic uh, is more accurate to the original comics. Sure. Did uh, you see the Andrew Garfield ones? Uh, no, I didn't. Actually, okay. yeah, you didn't miss much. Yeah, that's that's what I gathered. Right. All right. So, uh, Chris Hemsworth, Thor. Thor was pretty cool. I I liked Thor a lot in this film. Yeah, he's definitely on this. So in Thor three, he was always kind of funny, but in Thor three, they really started to play into Chris Hemsworth's comic chops. Yeah. And this movie continued that trend very well, I thought. Yeah, when he's, he's calling them morons. <laughs> yeah. And he has a great line partway through that I, I remembered from the first time watching. It's like, you realize that this is going to kill you only if I die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, That's what killing means. Yeah, and he does have what I think is the most like stand up and cheer awesome moment in the whole film, which yes. is his arrival on the battlefield at Wakanda. It's just, it's so badass. It's so badass. It's the, it's the single strongest battle stroke of the whole film. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it may be obvious already, but clearly we're going to fanboy out on this film a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I will anyway. I don't want to speak for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then there's one other person that we have to talk about, which is Josh Brolin as Thanos. So let's get into, first of all, how do you think he did acting-wise? Uh, I mean, he did well acting-wise. Again, I feel like I don't have enough of a sense of his backstory and motivation for why he's on this quest, though. Right. So I don't know the Infinity War story very well but from reading online they've adapted it a little bit from his motivation in the comics so in the comics his motivation is that thanos has fallen in love with death like literally the avatar of death mm. and he loves her but she's not interested so in order to impress her he seeks out the infinity gauntlet 
which is, you know, his glove with all the stones in it, mm. and seeks to kill half the universe because this is his grand romantic gesture to death. I see. And in fact, uh, in that stinger scene from the first Avengers movie where he's introduced for the first time, the quote that uh, some, one of his minions is talking to him and he's like, the Avengers are very powerful. You shouldn't underestimate them. To fight them is to court death. And then he like looks up and smiles and that's the like, oh my God, it's Thanos and he's looking for his girlfriend. Mm, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But in this, he's actually, he's kind of an environmentalist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so his motivation is to, is to save the suffering of those who are uh, having to live in overpopulation and the and prevent them from the inevitable doom of an unsustainable situation yeah right it's it's a noble goal in a way yeah yeah that's right and you do get a little bit of backstory mostly in dialogue although slightly visualized where he's like this happened to my planet and i don't want to see it happen anywhere else again Mm -hmm. so you know do you think it's a strong enough motivation somewhat it's a little odd yeah uh i i can get behind it being like not quite powerful enough to motivate what he's doing right exactly you know the scope of it is just so intense but then again if you are to assume that he saw all of this horror on his own planet and it scarred him so deeply that he's willing to go to these lengths to prevent anyone else having it happen to them again I mean, it's it's noble in a twisted way. Right. You know, I mean, it is a motivation. I don't know if it's the best motivation, but it's one that I can at least accept for the purposes of this movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. It's I thought it was good enough, if not the greatest. Right. Yeah. Now, it has been brought up by some people on the Internet that if you have the Infinity Gauntlet and you can do basically anything with it, why don't you just double the number of resources in the universe as opposed to exactly. kill half the people consuming it? Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm just trying to speculate ways to justify it. I like it's, you know, matter can neither be created or destroyed, right? So you can only change it from one mm. thing to another. So in order to create more resources, you would have to, like, basically, like, you would have to know how to turn one thing into the exact other thing that everyone needs in each place. Whereas if you're just, like, half of the living things disappear, it's, it's easier, mm. you know, to do the one, whereas the other might be possible with the glove but too complex for a living like mortal being to like make happen (laughs) this is just me like spitballing right because i don't know that would be like the equivalent of turning part of the the sun's energy into like a new earth right right transmuting the the raw materials of the stars into a new planet yeah like (laughs) Like combining the elements in just the right way i can turn your cells into ash i can't necessarily turn this tree into a hamburger right exactly but (laughs) but then again i mean you know the infinity gauntlet's basically a genie it probably does the work for you right you'd think so i mean otherwise then it's just a like a death ray type thing right (laughs) maybe which is way weaker than we know it is 
But anyway, just to bring it back to Josh Brolin for a minute, I thought he did a really good job. I thought he was suitably menacing, but also he brought some emotion to the table. You know, his relationship with Gamora, I thought, was well portrayed. Yeah. And, you know, he just he wasn't just a mustache twirler. You know, he he had a little bit of stuff going on in there. So I appreciate his performance. Yeah, I'd say so. I was a fan. Then, of course, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. I'm so... Eitri the dwarf. I mean, it's hilarious because he's... He's big! He's a dwarf, but he's a giant dwarf. Yep. That was a a fun cameo that I didn't see coming. And then one other guy I want to call out before anyone you want to suggest. Tom Von Lawler, who played Ebony Maw, who is the guy who... He's one of the children of Thanos. He's the telekinetic one who acts as his herald especially mm. like in the opening scene. Yeah. I love that opening scene. This guy brings such a cool, creepy energy to this guy where he's like, now you shall be delivered unto Thanos. And yeah. even in death, you become one of his children. Rejoice. You know, this this like zealot energy where it's like, rejoice, you're dying, but for such a wonderful cause. Yeah. I thought he's the first person who you really like get as the movie opens is his his doing that whole spiel on the Asgardian ship. And I thought, what a cool, creepy way to start this mm. movie. You know, I just I really enjoyed him. Yeah, I, I, he his made, performance was excellent. Yeah, he's a small part of the movie, but he, for me, he made such a strong impression. Yeah, I mean, he he does he does herald in Thanos, and you get a sense of his, for lack of a better word, grandeur. Yeah, because I, of that entrance. And the other children of Thanos, the other kind of demi-villains, they don't stand out as much. They're all a little more generic, just like fighters, whereas he has so much personality. Yeah. You know, he's he's interesting. And he's like this arrogant dick, too. He's like, enough of this. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I really like that. It's a shame he dies, because I wish he could come back. Mm. Um, And there's one other thing about him I like, but we'll talk about that when we get into the plot of this movie. All right. Uh, Was there anyone who's acting you really wanted to call out for either praise or opprobrium? I mean, we could talk about how little Captain America is in the film. Yeah, he's not really in it very much. Doesn't do that much. Was that a problem for you? No, not at all. Because you hate Captain America. (laughs) Uh, Yes, not my favorite of the superheroes. He's good in the Marvel Universe. Chris Evans is a... Good actor, I think. Mm. Certainly a charming one. Let's uh, talk about the plot of this movie. Mm. And we'll compare your predictions a little bit, too. For starters, you figured that uh, Thanos would be a mysterious villain. Started that way, got less mysterious as it went on, as we learned more about him. And that uh, he would be kind of Unicron-esque. So he'd be this chaotic, destructive force who represents war and chaos, who wants to dominate things. How do you feel that worked out? fairly well uh you know he the general concept is that way not as much uh as we're discussing his motivation is a little bit more environmentalist well uh, you know if we're comparing him say to unicron from the transformers uh cartoon movie unicron's motivations are primarily selfish he just wants to eat things basically he's galactus he's the eater of worlds yes Thanos' motivations are primarily selfless, even though mm. he's, you know, he has an ends justify the means thing going on, but he's actually trying to help in his own warped, twisted way. Right. So that's a little different. Yeah, that's true. 
but the ultimate results are <laughs> not that different. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you believe that uh, intentions matter? Well, generally, yes, but actions matter more. Right. Right on. Well, this has been Philosophy Corner with Dave and Drew. <laughs> you also predicted Iron Man would die. That didn't happen. You thought that the differences between the characters would be healed by this greater threat and that they would resolve all that to work together. I mean, uh, there's a line early on that said Thanos is coming. It doesn't matter who you're talking to or not. Right. You know, uh, I mean... To a certain extent, it's unfortunate that Iron Man never gets the chance to make the call because he's distracted by this attack right. too soon. But a bunch of the other other heroes do come together. You know, we see reunions between, you know, like Thor and Captain America, who at least, you know, they weren't fighting, but they hadn't seen each other in a while. Yeah. Um, I imagine the Iron Man cap rift, which is kind of the biggest one, emotionally speaking, will be healed in the next one. Yeah. Um, Once we get to see them interact. Right, because, you know. Iron Man's uh, <laughs> off-planet at the moment, so yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll see it in the next one. You thought that a good guy would get corrupted. Did a good guy get corrupted? No. No, didn't happen. No one went over to the dark side. That hmm. would have been interesting, though. Yeah. It would have been interesting, although I have trouble figuring out where it would have fit in. Well, whatever. You thought that we'd see outer space settings? We certainly did. We sure did. You thought we'd see the Soul Stone accurate yep and thanos did want to catch them all <laughs> yes he did <laughs> and he succeeded and he good succeeded. for him it's a very fetching glove he had yeah nice bling there yeah all rainbow colored and mm. powerful yep all right let's talk about the actual full-on plot here so i like i said really liked that opening scene with our creepy herald talking but the uh the other thing that really stood out to me was um first of all a bunch of people die right off the bat, which is like, whoa. Yeah. But to me, if you want to establish your your villain's bona fides as a threat, have him kick the shit out of the Hulk. Yeah. I remember from the first time I was watching, there's this point in the fight where Thanos hits Hulk and Hulk makes this sound and it's like, it's this kicked puppy noise yeah this like you know yeah. it's, it's like you really feel it inside yeah you know and i think that's where it's early in the fight but from that moment you're just like oh shit hulk lost <laughs> yeah that's right that's right and it, it like it's that moment where hulk is afraid and that fear present prevents him from coming back the rest of the film right yeah it really is that I mean, that's where it happens. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. It's a good moment. Uh, what What about you? What did you think of the, the opening scenes? They were great. I mean, I, I'd really like to go back to that scene with the where our zealot character for Thanos is introducing him and talking about the children of Thanos and all of this stuff. Rejoice. Yeah. I I thought that was pretty cool. The, the scale. Of, I, I, I think... The scale of Thanos is appropriate to the, like, planet-eating. We're talking about someone who's seeking power to, you know, with the scope of the entire This is a universal-scale threat. Right. Yeah. Doctor Strange says that he would have the power to destroy life on a scale hitherto undreamt of. Did you just say hitherto undreamt of? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did really enjoy the um, Tony Stark 
Doctor Strange face off because, you know, these are the two like really arrogant characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm. finally having a, a an asshole off. Yeah. I mean, I, I love when Doctor Strange calls Tony a douchebag. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's a crass enjoyment, but an enjoyment nonetheless. Mm hmm. But at the same time, too, uh, it was cool seeing them work together. Yeah. Because right. um, basically what you have is like they're both wizards. Like you've got the magic wizard and yeah. the technology wizard. Yeah. And in fact, in this movie, or, well, let me back up. In every Iron Man movie, the suit has gotten incrementally more advanced. Mm. You know, like in the very first one, he has to like step onto a platform and have machines like screw it into place. Yeah. And now he has this nanotech suit, which basically I like it and it's cool and it lets him do a lot of fun, interesting things in the fights. But to a certain extent, I think this is the the moment where maybe it's starting to get almost too much. Mm. Like Iron Man is basically just magic now. You know, right. anything he needs is generated by this suit. It just like builds itself. Yeah. You know? they're, they're microscopic magic robots. Right. Yeah. It's it's crossed the border a little bit from being like science fiction and I'm not saying like any of it's plausible, but like it's gone well past the realm of, you know, physical reality anymore. Yeah. It can just be anything. It's like I need a bigger engine, make it. I need a bigger gun, I need a blade, like whatever. Yeah. It can be whatever he wants now. Right. And, you know, if Iron Man continues in the Marvel universe, they might want to find a way to nerf him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Give him some limits that make him continue to be interesting. Right, because, you know, as it stands now, unless he's fighting Thanos, basically, I don't see how anyone could stand a chance. Right. Yeah. OP. He's OP, brother. <laughs> okay, so also during this first fight, and this is uh, what I wanted to come back to about Ebony Maw. Yes, I like his character, but what I also like are his powers, particularly the way they are portrayed. So if you remember, he's a telekinetic. Yeah. And telekinesis was always my favorite superpower. It's the one like, you know, if I had like a radioactive liquid I could bathe in and become an X-Man, that's what I'd want. Yeah. I just think it's a cool superpower. And while I love it, I've always, until this movie been disappointed by the portrayal of that power in films because mm. it always tends to be kind of clumsy the thing i like about ebony maw's portrayal is that his use of the power is very subtle y you know you look at say gene gray and or even magneto in the movies they're always like they're throwing cars at people or they're like ripping like a giant bridge up and floating it somewhere ebony maw is like you know, he's manipulating things in a way where he's changing bricks into darts. And, you know, just it's, it's, it's like smaller. Yeah. You know, and also in, in other portrayals, people are like throwing their arms around and really feeling like, uh, I'm, I'm actually doing it. Ebony Mob, like he barely moves. Mm. He's very still and just maybe like raising a finger. And I just I like that portrayal of like enormous strength, like his power is incredibly strong. And yet he's not. He's not bringing a building down on you. He's like picking up a piece of metal and tying you up with it. Yeah. You know, it just it's 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 a cooler way to use it. And I appreciated that. Hmm. What did you think of that early fight? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to start seeing characters, as you say, die early on in the in the action. 
So yeah. Um, Do you think Loki's really dead? Um, I question it. I mean, I I started a list of characters getting murked. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just with that being a prediction. So Loki's on the list, and it it would appear that we've lost Loki, but. It was also explicitly discussed that we thought Loki was dead if, uh, one time before. And at least one time. At least one time before, and uh, he he was not. So, who knows? We also lost Stringer Bell. We did lose Stringer Bell. We lost... Okay, so Vision looked like he was going to bite the dust at one point and then didn't. But then we lose Vision at the end along with the whole range of characters who seem to be disappearing but again we don't know actually that's not quite right oh yeah that's right vision doesn't disappear vision has vision is killed yeah at the end the stone is yeah that's right sorry about that gamora dies gamora does die at the hands of thanos however there is yet more internet speculation that she may too not be dead well okay so I mean, I guess we'll just get into this right here. So let's separate out everyone who dies as a result of the uh, snapping of Thanos' fingers and the use of the Infinity Gauntlet. Let's just look at the people who were, like, killed, killed. Yeah. So that's Loki, that's Heimdall, and that's Gamora. And Mm -hmm. Vision. And Vision. At least of the good guys. So Gamora, the circumstances of her death are she's killed to acquire the Soul Stone, Thanos throws her off the cliff, she dies, and then he wakes up somewhere else holding the stone. And he sees visions of her a couple of times right. after that. Now, part of that could just be you know, poetic license and a bit of artistry. But there's a theory kicking around that although Gamora perished, her soul is now Fused trapped with the soul in the soul stone. Yeah. Right. So there could be room... You know, if they do something funky with time, maybe her death will be erased or going forward, perhaps she'll exist as some kind of disembodied spirit in the stone or something like that. Mm. We'll see. Then we got the people who disappear, but let's save them for talking about the ending. Yes. Okay. So I have written down just that uh, the first scene where the Guardians of the Galaxy appear for the first time in the movie at my screening, people cheered. Oh, yeah, they're pretty cool. They are. I think, you know, you can say that about the cast and the treatment of the characters in this movie, but Guardians of the Galaxy specifically, I mean, if you want to talk about well-balanced and, like, balancing the universe, that cast is so well-balanced. Yeah. You know, it's just, everyone is perfect in their roles. They bounce off each other so well. They're fucking hilarious. Yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. Drax in particular, I think Dave Bautista absolutely steals every scene he's in in this movie. Yeah, it, every line is is hilarious. He does not miss a single opportunity to be hysterical. Mm-hmm. That guy's the man. And a, a worthy Twitter follow if you're on that uh, particular social media platform. Oh, I'll have to check that out. He's a cool guy. Basically, I found everything about the Guardians and Thor together, I found delightful. Drax's crush on him and Peter Quill's jealousy. (laughs) You are a dude. This is a man. (laughs) And it's funny because he he suggests that he's going to be saying this is a god, you know, not... Right. But 
you know, just a man. Yeah, which is even more cutting. Yeah. And also, I mean, even when they all break up, everything about Thor and Rocket together is also delightful. This movie wound up pairing or grouping up characters from this universe that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Mm. I mean, I guess Doctor Strange and Iron Man makes sense because you want the two cocky white guys to face off. Yeah. But um, who would have thought to pair? I mean, I guess Guardians are in space and Thor is in space, so that makes sense. But to choose Rocket of all characters to yeah. be his sidekick, that was an inspired choice as it turned out. Yeah, it was fun. And I also enjoyed that there was a payoff to the runner of Rocket's penchant for stealing body parts. Oh. He has an eye to give to Thor. That's right. Yeah. And we, we see him uh he we see him uh vowing to steal uh whose arm is that? Oh, uh Winter Soldier. Bucky's yeah. Bucky's uh mechanical arm, mm-hmm. yeah. We also um in some of these action scenes early on, what stood out to me about the Russo brothers directing that I appreciate is we talked about how they're so good at comedy, but they're also very good at action. And one thing that I appreciate about their action scenes is that they're very kinetic. Mm. Like you really feel the speed and the force of the impacts. And you would think that that would be the first thing to kind of get lost in a big superpower showdown where everyone's kind of shooting lasers out of their hands and lifting things with their mind. But they really pay attention to the fists striking and the kicks happening and like, making there be a little bit of oomph behind it yeah and making it feel like an actual fight yeah that was well done throughout it it didn't have that kind of thing that you dread when it's cgi and lots of superpowers where it just feels like you're watching a video game right it feels weightless yeah um this was the choreography of the fights was very well done yeah that too yeah not just the uh the kinetic aspect, but the the balletic aspect, mm-hmm. you know, especially for characters like uh, who it should be like that, like Spider Man, like Spider Man, yeah. flipping around everywhere. Yeah, yeah, good grasp of him. I also have written down that uh, Captain America's hair fucking rules. <laughs> did you notice his haircut? <laughs> he did have some great hair, great facial hair. Yep, he, he copied Thor's beard apparently. <laughs> Evidently, <laughs> Thor. yeah, but Thor copied his haircut, so it's yeah. even. <laughs> They're both very good-looking men. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, at about this point, we're all kind of, everybody's on their way now to where they're going to have their final fights. We've got Thor at the Star Forge. Yeah, that was great. Him uh, almost getting burnt by a star, showing us how truly strong he is. And uh, the forging of the new unstoppable uh, version of a Thor hammer. Stormbreaker. Yes. It's a cool name. Yes, it is a really cool name. Rocket thought it was a little over the top. Yeah, well. <laughs> what does he know? <laughs> what does he know? One thing it's I just like. a rabbit. It's true. <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> One thing I like about Stormbreaker, too, is that uh, it's part Groot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Yeah. The Groot handle. I wish I had something that was made out of Groot. Yeah. Yeah. And also one thing I appreciate about that whole segment is that, um, you know, these movies could easily just be a whole lot of fight scenes, but you kind of get a movie's best, most epic moments with some of the most striking imagery when you're doing something like they're building something. Yeah. 
you know i like that they found the time to show like they are forging something new it's not just like a battle scene it's like we're gonna like make a thing yeah you know you think back to the original iron man some of the best scenes of that movie are making building the, the suit the suit you know the weaponry yeah. way more fun than watching the fight at the end yeah 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 so that's right that's a good point it was wise of them to kind of include a scene like that yeah on yeah. the other end it, it was fun i i felt like i was enjoying thanos quest to catch them all and get all of the gemstones you gotta have all the colors yeah on your, on I, I do like that each one's a color gauntlet <laughs> it's a cool looking gauntlet collect them all yeah <laughs> gotta catch them all Fendi glove <laughs> you know they also found time for some good i mean there's a lot of emotion at the end but they found some time for good emotional beats along the way like there's a scene between uh star lord and gamora where she's insisting that he be prepared to kill her mm. drax obviously hilarious when he comes in later but like it's a good good emotional scene between the two of them yeah it is it is and uh star lord's reaction to learning of gamora's demise is quite quite good when we have thanos under a sleep spell but uh still able to respond yeah i mean after being smacked in the face a couple times because of that reaction right well so it's it's good in that it's like some a strong emotional acting yes. from chris pratt but it's but not bad. a good move at all <laughs> It has been pointed out by some people that really everything that happens from that point on is Star-Lord's fault. Yeah. I mean, do you agree with that? It's um, a pretty stupid thing to do. It was a really stupid thing to do. They I, won. They had the yeah. glove basically off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I agree, but I also somewhat disagree because we don't know that the outcome would have been different had he not done that. It is true that Doctor Strange said that in his look to the future, there were 14 million where they lose and only one where they succeed. Yep. And so you would think that even though it sucks in the moment, Peter Quill's freak out has to be part of that because this is part of the one chance they have to succeed. Yeah. Also, I just want to toss out, out of 14 million possible futures, there's only one where they win. Yeah. Listen, I get it. You want to like really hit the audience with the the force of the stakes. Yeah, you really want to hit them with the scale of the stakes. That... You could have said ten thousand, and it would have been really crazy odds. Yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but when you're thinking about just like the way probability works, there wasn't one alternative future where Thanos slips on a banana peel and yeah. like breaks his neck or something like that, like. Five? Yeah, five. Give us five, like not just one. I mean, it, it defies belief, but at the same time, if you're looking to have like a no shit moment, yeah, you got to just say one. That, yeah. Whether it works or not, there's a lot to be said for Peter Quill's decision making in that moment. I mean, he's jacked up on his emotions. He loves Gamora. But I mean, dude, you couldn't hold it together for five more seconds. Beat him up not. after the glove is off. Yeah. You know? But then again, so everyone likes to pile on him for it being his fault. But I noticed on this watch through, there are numerous instances wherein they could have traded the life of one person and made it impossible for Thanos to win. So the decision not to kill Vision right at the beginning of the movie 
you could say is equally emotional. I mean, yeah. at least on Scarlet Witch refuses to do it because she loves him and that puts the whole universe at risk. Right. Whereas if she just killed him right there, the entire thing is over. Mm. Blow it up right there. That's like 20 minutes into the movie. Yep, we're all set. Right. I mean, granted, Star-Lord was acting maybe a little more irresponsibly, but if we're going to blame him, we could just as easily blame Scarlet Witch and the other Avengers who are around who decided not to kill vision right there yeah there were a few steps that led us to where we wind up yeah and you know to give peter quill credit he was willing to kill gamora when it finally came down to it he fulfilled his promise that's to her right to prevent thanos from getting the stone he pulls that trigger and then yeah. bubbles come out yep <laughs> did you find bubbles it's funny but it's also a weird choice because thanos is from outer space right so do they have fun party bubbles like that apparently he's familiar with them anyway to dream that up assuming he has that level of control i assume he does i assume he does i mean he created a whole bunch of other illusions and stuff later so yeah and it's interesting to you that the bubbles then recur later when she tries to kill herself before the soul stone yep and in that instance it's not as funny right you know they managed to take this silly thing and bring it back and yet it's like it's got a little more weight yeah, this it's time. pretty somber at that point. Right. Yeah. But um, are there, there are other moments, not just uh, with Vision. There's a couple others too, right? I mean, Doctor Strange refusing to try and destroy the Eye of Agamotto, although I guess it was more, did he even know how to destroy it? Hmm. The Time Stone? I guess we don't know. There are plenty of instances through the course of the movie where if they'd been willing to just sacrifice one, they could have saved half the universe. Mm. But then again, it seems like the moral lesson of the movie is that we don't trade one for everyone, right? Yeah. So it, I suppose it would have been inconsistent with their moral code. Yes. I guess what I'm saying is everyone, lay off Chris Pratt, okay? Yeah. Leave the poor man alone. He was, you know, it was an emotional moment. His girlfriend just died. Give him a break. Cut him, cut him some slack, dude. What do you do when you learn your girlfriend was murdered? You, you punch the out. guy in the, fa- in the face a few times as hard as you can. And if half the universe dies because of it, so, so be, be it. it. Yeah. So there's a funny line. So what's the name of our character, our zealot character? Ebony Maw. Okay, so there's, there's a, a part where Quill is fighting Ebony Maw. And is asked, like, what's this guy's deal? He's like, from space, came to steal a necklace from a wizard. Oh, yeah. Well, that's um, that's Iron Man who says that. Oh, is it? Spider-Man's like, what's this guy's deal? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I also love the nonchalant way he ha- like, has in his tone. It's yeah. just like, okay, uh, this guy is from outer space, and he is here to steal a necklace from a wizard. Yeah, <laughs> right. This is totally silly. Just another day at the office for the Avengers, right? Yeah. And then later, yeah, like a couple scenes later, they're still fighting and Iron Man's like, Spider-Man, that's the wizard. Go save him. <laughs> There's also, to bring it back to uh, the Guardians for a second, another line I can't allow to go uncommented upon is yet another brilliant Dave Bautista as Drax line, which is, um, where is Gamora? I'll do you one better. Who is Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? <laughs> so good. Why would you say something like it's that? It's just silly. It's oh, just love pure it. silliness for the sake of it. I love it. He's oh, it's God. great. Him, him vanishing at the end was the most tragic part. 
mm-hmm. or was it? We'll get to that. Did you uh, dig the reveal of Red Skull being the Guardian of the Soul Stone? I probably didn't appreciate that as much just because that character wasn't as significant to me. Hmm. I mean, it's a reveal, but I probably appreciated it less than I should have. Well, fair enough. Another person who could have saved the day by sacrificing one is Gamora, because at one point she knows where the soul stone is. Thanos does not. Thanos gets her to reveal its location by torturing and threatening Nebula, Gamora's sister. Right. I mean, granted, you know, it would make her a heartless bastard to watch her sister be tortured and killed right in front of her, and I understand why she gives in. But if she had just let her die, no soul stone. Yeah, and her sister would have understood. Probably. So, you know, that's that's another moment where it's like, maybe Star-Lord isn't Again, entirely to blame here. the moral of the story, you know, we... These are good people are good who people. aren't going to sacrifice someone like that. Yeah, right. And I get it. No, no one, no one should be left behind or sacrificed for. Yeah, yeah. Gamora also too has an interesting misread of Thanos's character when they're in front of the Soul Stone, when um, she doesn't realize that he loves her. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an interesting moment, and part of me feels like it's it's complex because she's she's somewhere between actually being ignorant of his true emotional state and more just like i think part of it's her own psychology that she needs to believe that he doesn't care for her at all because she's she needs to convince herself that he's the enemy right and it's difficult for anyone to comprehend thanos's weird kind of psychotic way of loving people yeah you know so how could she believe that the person who slaughtered her planet and her family and then tortured her for so long loves her you know it's a twisted form of love a normal person can't wrap their heads around yeah exactly that being said she did spend most of her life with this person so you would think that she would have more of a grasp of the way his mind works right yeah you'd think so but Mm, it's hard to say she either does and is very willful in her in her auto suggestion that he doesn't have those feelings or it's just something she's never picked up on or never understood in him hmm yeah well doesn't matter anymore she dead that's right or is she right you know we were talking just now about the fight in New York, that early fight, where we see uh, one of the children of Thanos loses his hand to the portal made by the sling ring. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doctor Strange has one of those. So during that final fight at the end, when they're all fighting Thanos, could have been a good way to get that gauntlet off of him. Yeah, that's right. Make a portal and just slice his hand off into another dimension, right? Yeah, why didn't he ever think of that in all the 14 million different alternative ways to do it? It was only one that he thought of it in, and that was that was the way they won. Or Thor could we have used uh, Stormbringer to uh, chop the arm off, too. You know, right. It was an axe. Yeah, that's right. He should right. have aimed for the head, or he should have aimed for the hand. Maybe he did, and he just didn't aim well enough, you know? I think he was going for center mass. He was going mass. for the heart, yeah. Yeah. So... Talking about the end here, I will say that I went in 
not expecting this, but wondering if it would have been cool, sort of like this is what I would consider doing if I was directing this movie. And that was, there's all this buildup to the idea that once Thanos collects all of the stones and has the completed Infinity Gauntlet, he will snap his fingers and erase half of the universe. I thought it might have been cool if the movie ended with the snap. Mm. Like, Thor is standing over him, Thanos raises his hand, snaps his fingers. In the movie, it cuts to white. And I thought, if that's the end of the movie, that would be a pretty badass cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, it would. I understand why they didn't do it that way, but uh, I thought it would have been cool. Right. Well, we get a little bit more of what happens after the snap. And I will admit it is also pretty powerful. Yes, and also a good cliffhanger. I mean, again, we see so many characters get hit by this disappearing phenomenon from the, the effects of the snap, and we wonder what's going on with that. Are they all truly erased and wiped away, or is there some salvation for these characters in our next installment? Right. Now, what do you think? I have to think that there's some way that we're going to see that spell broken, if you will. Um, It's just hard for me to fathom that they'd be getting rid of Spider-Man and Black Panther and virtually all of the Guardians characters and Doctor Strange and uh, the list goes on. I mean, there are so many characters that, that disappear simultaneously at the end here and... It's not as though we're seeing them all in dramatic deaths. They're just having some effect happen where they kind of fade away into ash. So I don't know. I, I'm skeptical that this is truly the end for these characters. Yeah, I mean, rightly so. I think, number one, there's a meta aspect to this where it's like a lot of these characters are very valuable IP for Marvel. I'm not going to just give them up. <laughs> right. We also know that Black Panther 2 is being made spider-man 2 is filming like these guys are coming back yep and then i guess this is also a meta consideration this is a comic book story are you familiar with a character by the name of gene gray yes she's died before Mm-hmm. doesn't always take right and i could name a hundred thousand other comic book characters where that's also true what is the quote that uh in comic books death is a revolving door yeah That's right. And also, I mean, consider the fact that Doctor Strange gave up the Time Stone willingly, something he said he was never going to do. He would let people die rather than let that happen. Mm. And, you know, maybe he did it because he came around to the moral position of the rest of the Avengers that's been pitched throughout the rest of the, the movie. But also maybe he saw that the future required allowing Thanos to win temporarily and then being able to undo it afterwards. Mm. I think a lot of these characters are coming back. I just, I, I don't see this being the end. Yeah, it, it seems a little bit too much. I also think it's interesting, and this, I guess, is also a meta analysis, that the ones that did survive include our original founding trio. Captain America is still there. Thor is still there. Iron Man is still there. Also, you know, uh, it's, uh, Black Widow is also an original member. Hawkeye is an original one. He was in, he isn't even in the movie, which is kind of shocking. He's mm. the only one left out. Well, Ant-Man too, I guess. 
Yeah, that's right. Ant-Man did not really make an appearance at all. Not in this one, maybe in the next he was, one. He was mentioned once. Right, yeah. Because those three are the ones that are left, I still think there's a chance that your original prediction is correct, that Iron Man is destined for the grave. Mm. I think that the next movie could potentially be like kind of a stripped down, you know, more limited Avengers film where it's like we're back to some of these more original characters on one last ride together. But at the same time, they're forming up the new generation yeah. who are going to take over. Our Captain Marvels are going to come in and all that good stuff. Yep. And that, you know, one or two or even all three of our first Avengers may perish in the next film. Mm. And that one might be for real. So what? where are we? Where's uh, Bruce Banner at the end here? Because he's we... alive and he is still on the battlefield with uh, Steve Rogers and the rest in Wakanda. Okay. And uh, during the battle, I did like that, uh, yes, Hulk was being a big old wimp and refusing to come out because he was scared, but um, that gave Bruce Banner a chance to get a win all on his own. Yeah, but did you see when Thanos arrives on the battlefield, he creates this wave that, that like fuses Bruce Banner while in the suit into a wall so he's he becomes like, yeah he's stuck in there i don't think he's killed though and in fact i think he's Did shown like i don't think we've seen break out but i believe he's shown standing in the group at the end okay that he's gotten out of the wall okay unless it's a continuity error huh hmm but uh i certainly don't think he's dead okay that was just an interesting state to be in Sure. Yeah, fused with uh, fused with some rocks. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you could you could you uh, could easily be killed by that. Be killed by that. Yeah. Sure. I also noticed a small thing at the end, which was um, as Thanos is working his way through the Avengers to get to Vision, and he's beating the crap out of everybody. He fights Captain America for a quick second, and this is even in the trailer. I think there's a moment where he's like pushing down on him. And he can't. Steve Rogers is like holding him off, holding his hand up. Yeah. And one, that's kind of shocking because, you know, this is a guy we have recently seen kick the living daylights out of the Hulk. Yeah. And Thanos himself looks very confused. The look on his face is very like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, it could just be like this brute strength moment that like, Captain America has so much heart he's doing it. I just wonder if it could be somehow more significant in some way that like there's something about him that makes him special and able to resist Thanos hmm. a little bit. Maybe we'll find out more about that. I imagine something will come up in the next movie that involves Captain America fighting Thanos again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Avengers 4 rematch. Yeah. I mean, we're owed some Captain America screen time We're it's due in the next film. It's true. I wonder if Thanos will have the full use of the gauntlet in the next one, though, because did you notice mm. that uh, when they come back to him after using it, finally, it's the all... The gauntlet looks all messed up. It's all jacked up. Yeah. What's up with that? We don't know. Yeah, we don't. I wonder I wonder what that means. Mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, one other thing I just wanted to toss out there. You know how Groot talks, right? Yeah. Just by saying Groot. Just by saying... I am Groot. There it is. Yeah. Or in an incredibly emotional moment, 
We are Groot. We are Groot. Oh yeah, my god. Right. Turn on the waterworks. Yeah. Um speaking of turning on the waterworks, on Twitter it was revealed what Groot's I am Groot before disappearing meant. Care to take a guess? He's uh, looking at Rocket. I love you. Dad. Aww. Oh my god. <laughs> so tough. Yeah, pretty pretty emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Well anyway, so we've we've chatted about the movie a little bit. Is there anything else you wanna toss out there about the plot anyway? So how about those children of Thanos, huh? They're pretty uh pretty dumb for the most part. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, except for Ebony Maw, none of them really makes an impression right. on me. They're pretty replaceable. Yeah, they're all just kind of like goons. Right, yeah. They they also die like punks. Yeah, they do. Um, okay, well, let's start talking about how this movie did. First of all, do you want to guess what this movie cost to make? Oh my goodness. Um, somewhere between 200 and $300 million dollars. More. much higher well higher 400 million dollars the estimated budget is between 316 and 400 million dollars okay a lot of money yeah it is but that's okay because in its opening weekend it made want to guess uh two billion dollars that would be a lot for its opening weekend yeah. but uh in its opening weekend it made 640.5 million dollars mm. Beating out the previous record holder for biggest opening weekend of ever, The Fate of the Furious. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually kind of more impressed that a Fast and Furious uh, sequel was the previous record holder. I was not expecting that. Yeah, good for them. It did cross the $1 billion mark in 11 days, beating out the previous record holder, Force Awakens. Wow. As of this recording, which is... uh six months after it came out it has made two billion dollars okay wow it is the fourth highest grossing movie of all time that's amazing yeah what are the other three do we know yeah and uh, this is not adjusted for inflation by the way this is just raw numbers it's um avatar titanic and the force awakens okay wow yeah Hmm. as far as reviews go it's got an 83 percent on rotten tomatoes and it got an A in audience polling by CinemaScore mm. on an A to F grade scale. Cool. Uh, reviews. On the plus side, Todd McCarthy of The Hollywood Reporter, he praised the writers and directors' ability to balance the large cast, which I think we can agree with. He said they acknowledge the traffic jam of egos and play it for laughs. Perfectly which, done. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly said. And it's a... It's a well-observed point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we were talking around that without making it quite so succinctly. It's especially clever that they were able to take what could have been a real problem and instead mine it for comedy. Yeah, they did a great job with it. Owen Gleiberman of Variety concurred with Todd McCarthy. He said, Infinity War is a brashly entertaining jamboree structured to hold, uh, structured to show off each hero or heroine and give them just enough to do and to upgrade their mythologies without making it all feel like homework. Yeah. Totally accurate. 
you know, it's not just that everybody got a nice moment in the movie. It's that I think the Russos were really good in these action scenes of showing us these powers working together. Mm. Like it was fun to see everybody working in tandem and using these powers in creative new ways now that they could be a team. Yeah. You know, like Spider-Man jumping through all of the portals. Oh, I loved that move. Yeah. So, so good. So good. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, and this is slightly negative, but also kind of good. So we'll see what you think. The film is too much of a good thing. And the Russo brothers have clearly never learned the concept that less is more. But they've used the premise of an Avengers reunion to put on a fireworks explosion of action and laughs that won't quit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I agree with that. I, you know, the it's he's not necessarily saying that not knowing less is more uh, is a is a problem per se. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess he could be saying in this tone, it's like these are some people who have clearly never learned that less is more. With the Russos, more is more. Yeah. Woo! Texas. Yeah, exactly. He could be saying that. I I mean, you know, he he's it is dense. The 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 movie is dense with action. Yeah. That's certainly true. And there's there there's no way around it with trying to give so many characters so much. They they are making the biggest tentpole movie of all time. This is like the Marvel movie to end all Marvel movies. So it it is their responsibility to bring a more is more aesthetic that's right it has to be a big top circus and all the animals have to be fantastic exactly so josh brolin came in in particular for praise uh todd mccarthy again brolin's calm considered reading of the character bestows this conquering beast with an unexpectedly resonant emotional dimension making him much more than a thick stick figure of a supervillain. gleberman on josh brolin Brolin's motion capture performance was supremely effective, and Brolin infuses Thanos with his slit-eyed, manipulative glower so that the evil in this movie never feels less than personal. Hmm. What did you think of the mocap on him? The what? The uh, the motion capture, like, animated overlay. So, basically, the special effects that were Thanos. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they conveyed the emotion pretty well. I'd say the facial expressions mostly felt very expressive and genuine. I agree. Uh, there, there, you know, there were some moments where I could feel the CGI. Yeah, and, and I, I read other reviewers who I respect also having a problem with having the CGI character be so important to the emotions of the film. Like they, they had trouble getting past that. Mm. I think, interestingly enough, where I found it toughest was. Um, not necessarily that he was digital, but when they portrayed his scale, I found him hardest to believe when someone else was touching him. And like you the saw, young Gamora. Yeah, or what's her name? Mantis, when she's on top of him and touching his head. You just see how large she is. Yeah. That, interestingly enough, was where I was taken out of it most regarding how real he was. Mm. Just that he was so big. Yeah. Um, but uh, generally speaking, I thought it was pretty great. And it's like you said, I thought his facial expressions came across great. Okay, well, let's go to some of the negative reviews. Mm. 
A.O. Scott of the New York Times criticized the film's reliance on other films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, saying, Considered on its own as a single, nearly two-hour, 40-minute movie, Avengers Infinity War makes very little sense. But he conceded that it was never meant to be viewed or judged in isolation. Well, no shit, dude. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, Similarly, uh, Stephanie Zacharek of time said it isn't really a beginning but more of a middle or an end with a new piece of yam attached or with sorry with a new piece of yarn attached <laughs> yam you need to have seen and internalized every one of the previous 18 marvel mcu movies to fully get it yeah, mm, yeah. i mean no one was lying to you about the need to do that you know right yeah they were pretty upfront about it. Yeah, there's yeah, that's that's true. And then Justin Chang of the LA Times had some positive things to say about it, but also said, uh, not even the threat of universal annihilation, it seems, will keep this assembly line from chugging ahead with its signature polished mechanized efficiency. Mm. So basically criticizing the kind of marvel uh churned out factory kind of, style yeah. yeah i mean there's there is a certain amount of sameness to their movies yeah i, I can see that yeah it's you know uh, it is a valid criticism even though it doesn't really mean as much to me like i i've i've been cool with it so far right yes there is a house style to marvel and they are pumping these out with efficiency but up to this point, I continue to be uh, willing to keep taking what they're selling. You're so. enjoying what it is that's being pumped out of the factory, right. so you yeah. know. But that's just me. Gladly so. enjoy more. It's like, yeah, yeah. I I understand it if it's not uh, not for everyone. Right. So well, that's what the uh, that's what the critics said. How about you, Drew? Have we worked through your feelings about this movie? You seemed kind of. Uh, unsure of yourself at the start of this discussion has anything clarified for you about it i mean i i'll say i i enjoyed the viewing experience Mm -hmm. if i'm gonna say better late or never yeah i would definitely say better late um right on it was worth seeing for sure cool yeah but um was it maybe less than what you were expecting did not live up to the hype I'd say it was pretty much right in line with the hype, oh, cool. honestly. Yeah. Well, nice. All right. Well, cool, man. That's Avengers Infinity War. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please email us at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at betterlate underscore pod. And that's it for us today, Drew. Thanks for coming on the podcast, dude. My pleasure. Yeah, I'll catch you next time. And for everybody else, I will catch you later. 